Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the Giant Beercast, which has so lovingly stolen its name from the Giant Bombcast, which many of you probably know and love. My name is Andy Hill, also known as Brewmaster Andy, and I am here with Joey Famelli of Whiskey Media, former Whiskey Media. Former Whiskey Media, yeah. How you doing, Andy? Isn't that doing well? How about yourself, sir? Pretty good. Nice. Excellent. How, how does that feel to say former Whiskey Media? It's weird. Is it? Is it weird? It's weird. I can uh, imagine it would be weird. I still feel. I still feel whiskey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, still, I still, you know, feel like you should feel whiskey. <laughs> I still work with a lot of the same people. I still yeah. kind of keep in touch with them, but it's just, it's just different now. It's, yeah. A lot, a lot of things have changed, but uh. Yeah. So for those those listeners that don't actually know who you are, why don't you uh, give a little rundown of who you are, and then I'll talk about myself, I suppose. Uh, I was a I was the video producer for Screened for the last couple of years. Uh, and I started off with Comic Vine back before Screened or Tested really existed. So I, I was there when the uh, the launch videos. I worked on a lot of the launch videos were tested, and then eventually Screened, and then you know stuck with with them. But kind of worked on all the sites really. Went to E3 of Giant Bomb, did a lot of events with them. Comic, comic Vine. Excellent, excellent. Fun. That sounds fun to me. Yeah, yeah, it was a good time. Good two years. Nice, nice. And now you are so now you are predominantly, predominantly tested. tested. Right. Yeah, so right. we, we got bought by Berman Braun, tested right. and screened. Right. Uh, right now, Screen's not doing any video content. Most of their editors are in L.A. Yeah, or, yeah or still I have, up have here. noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, hopefully, uh, are you, now are you going to be doing work with them when they start uh, doing video content, or are they kind of doing their own thing at this point? I think they might be. I'm not sure yet, but I, I'm I'm I, I'm almost positive that they're going to be be doing most of the stuff down in LA. Cool. Uh, so once we get an office up here, it'll be just like kind of tested in the office. Nice. Yeah. Good deal. Good deal. And how is the? Uh, sorry to bore with non beer talk, but how is the uh, transition with uh, Adam and Jamie and all that stuff going? It's, is that cool? It's, it's weird. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I, I mean it's 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 tough to do that kind of yeah transition. Uh, we're still kind of we're still kind of eking into it. It's you know the site still got a lot of work to do. Or it, it was a really quick launch, so it was just yeah everything just happened so quickly and things weren't you know completely done. Yeah, uh, I gotcha. I, we're we're all still working at home right now, which yeah. is bizarre. So no office space. Not yet. No, maybe yeah. next month or month after that. Until That's then, good. Yeah, good deal. Uh, so uh, I guess I'll give you a, a little intro in terms of why you're here. Uh, you certainly know, listeners probably don't. Uh, those of you that have known Joey at all have seen him on mailbag videos and stuff for Giant Bomb, tested all that kind of stuff, uh, and know that he is also a beer aficionado like myself. Um, he is a home brewer, as am I, and that's kind of the whole point of this podcast, really, is to talk a little bit about beer and talk a little bit about home brewing answer questions and try to make it a little less science and a little more uh, hobby. So um, why don't – I guess I'll, I'll give a little background on myself. Um, like like I said before, my name's Andy. Uh, I'm actually an English teacher, so I am not a brewer. I am a home brewer, and there's definitely a big difference. The scale's a lot different, but it's uh, something I've been doing for probably, I'd say, going on five or six years at this point. Um, started – the way most people start, and, and we'll get into that stuff in a minute. But started started small, scaled myself up slowly. So now my entire basement is devoted to beer, and my wife hates it. And <laughs> I'm gonna have to lock it down when my daughter gets older, and all that fun stuff. Um, now, Joey, you started home brewing how long ago? Uh, probably about three years ago. Nice. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm still, I'm still, uh, maybe like eight batches in. Like, not, 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 not as much as you know. Oh, there's, I, there's nothing wrong with that. Eight yeah. batches is still eight batches. I'm still on like the uh, like the five gallon kind of scale. Me is that, too. Is that what you're doing? Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I actually, I still do five gallons. Um, those of you that don't know, five gallons is if you had to, if you had to make it an equivalent to something. Uh, it's probably close to like two cases plus a six pack somewhere in there. Yeah, it's it's weird. I use I use so many different bottling mechanisms. Yeah, like growlers and twenty two ounces and yeah, like it's, it's all it's varied. <laughs> so yeah, I actually you know what I don't even bottle anymore. Um, I I've started kegging. So that sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Um, it it kind of adds a whole a whole different uh twist to the process. Um, which you know what? Why don't we actually talk about the process of brewing a, a little bit, real quick, for people that are unfamiliar? Um, I know a, a, a few people that were interested in this podcast to begin with had mentioned that they had never thought about brewing or had had wanted to brew but weren't really sure where to start or what was a good way to start. Um, and it's easier than you would think. Yeah, that's yeah. Did, now, did you? A lot of a lot of people end up starting with kits. Um, there's there's a whole lot of different kits out there. Actually, one of the the questions that got sent in uh, has to do with that, which we can address in a little bit. But um, a lot of people start with kits. Kits. There's nothing wrong with starting with a kit. It's cheap. It's easy, uh, and it's it's a fairly simple process. It's. Are we talking about like the like the kits that include all the ingredients that you need? Yeah, yeah, okay. that's what I'd say. I mean, even well, did you now when you started? Did you did you start with uh, fermenters? Did you start with the Mister Beer that you see in Sky <laughs> <Yeah>. Mall? <laughs> uh, no, I yeah I uh, I saw a kit on like Amazon, right? That's... Like with this like the buckets, like the, yep. the, fer- the fermenting bucket and the oh, bottling yeah. bucket. Um, but then I ended up going to a beer store that was really close to my house at the time, and they kind of had like, individual components of this. So I just kind of picked the ones I wanted. Nice. Uh, I, I think I just bought all the fermenting stuff first, and then the, right. uh, the bottling stuff a little bit later. But uh, right. no, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't a. It wasn't a beer kit. I didn't start with the like the package stuff either. Yeah. This, this was also a supplier, so I was able to kind of find a recipe online and then go there and kind of learn. I was, I was buying raw, uh, raw hops at the time. I wasn't using the Excellent. pellets yet. Very cool. It was a fun way to like learn, like really just kind of dive in. Like, all right, this is, I'm just going to find out how this works. And yeah, that's, that's kind of how I started as well. I mean, I had, I've been wanting to learn how to brew for, for ages. Um, I, I've always, a, I, I guess I'm not a beer snob, but I'm a beer, I don't know. See, if I say beer connoisseur, that makes me sound like a snob. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I'm yeah. a beer fan. That's kind of, yeah, I like a, 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 a appreciator of beer yeah, i'm an appreciator of good beer so I, i've always been into that and i always wanted to try making my own and it just never really had a chance to and then finally i saw i think i saw a groupon or something for for a starter kit and just said i'm gonna do it fuck it why not and so i bought my kit and it came with like pretty much you know what you said it came with plastic buckets to ferment in yeah. uh it came with I had to buy a, a pot separately, and I started that way. Um, and I started with with kits doing recipes, and then I'd say about three batches in, I just went for it and started buying all kinds of crap and went from there. <laughs> um, and uh, so, so for those unfamiliar, there's actually two different ways to brew beer um, that home brewers usually deal with. There's extract, which basically means you use malt extract. So somebody has taken grain has uh, 
basically not not fermented, but has taken the starch in that grain, converted it to sugar, and then uh, there's there's liquid and dry extract in it. Basically, yes. yeah, they kind of suck all the moisture out for the dry stuff, and it just becomes sugar for the most part. That, that's uh, all I've used was the like the DME, the dry yeah, milk extract. Yeah. Uh, there's a place around here that you can like just bring a bucket to and have them like siphon it in. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm not I'm not too like when it comes to. I think you do that, right? You take yeah, the original I, I, grains. I do, all, I do all grain. Yeah, it's oh. a it's a whole different process. It's I mean, there's it's still home brewing. It's still it's still the same equipment for the most part. But there's some extra stuff that you do end up needing because you're instead of cutting out that stage of you taking the starch and grain and converting it to sugar, you're doing that yourself. Yeah. And so it's a longer process, but it also gives you a little bit more control over the final product. When you buy malt extract, you're kind of stuck with well, there's this type and this type and this type, and that's kind of it. And you yeah, use that pale. as the base. Oh. Yeah. And you use that for the base of most of your beers, but when you have the option of going all grain. You have the option of changing your base malts and using things with slightly different flavors. And the more you brew, the more you want to do that stuff, or at least personally, the more I want to do that stuff. And so you you realize how much science and crazy shit gets involved in making <laughs> beer. It's nuts. So so you've been brewing extract. Uh, yeah. Are, so I, I've actually I don't really know why I do this. I think I just kind of I've done this from. I, was, I heard this was the way to do it, and I've always done it. But it was—it's mostly uh, DME, mostly the dry malt extract, and then with yep. like a little bit of like grain that I I yeah. fill there. Uh, is that just is that just to add like kind of like an end flavor or body? Like a- yeah. Well, well, the the grain that you add. So so there's there's a whole there's a bunch of different types of grain. There's base malt, which is what generally anywhere from eighty percent to ninety five percent of the malt used in making a beer is base malt. Um, then there are your flavor and color malts, uh, your crystal malts. Uh, those are like darker. They're more highly kilned. They, so they have a darker color. They're not roasted, but they're, um, they're just darker in general in color and they give a different type of flavor. And so when you do extract, usually you use a malt extract for most of the sugar that will go into to what you're making. So that's like uh, what the what the yeast will basically eat up. Is that exactly, exactly. When you eventually do put yeast into that into that liquid, the yeast is going to feed off that sugar, poop out CO2 and alcohol, and that's what ferments your beer. Um, so when you use those those darker malts, they give you more flavor. And so even when you're making extract, even if you're using mostly malt extract. You still bring in some of those darker malts, and that's what you're talking about. You still bring in some of those darker malts for flavor and for color. So if you're making a darker beer, you're gonna get that darker beer by using those darker malts. And that's so usually represented by like a it's like a number, right? Like a 45, yeah. or like 120. Yeah, they give a number. It's a lava bond is the scale. It's just like a goes from. I mean, I guess technically it goes from one, but nothing is one. Yeah. Um, it goes from one to. God, like 125, I think, 130, somewhere in there. So, like the really, really dark malts that you barely want to use, those are the higher numbers. Um, so, like if you're if you're brewing a stout, for example, um, I, I use I use Crystal 120, which is a really, really dark. I only use a little bit of it because you only need a little bit of it. So, a lot of the darker malts also are more likely to give you a stronger flavor. So, you don't need as much of them to get the flavor. Um, 
there's a there, man. There's a, I'm realizing now that we're doing this. There's so much to talk about. <laughs> oh my <Yeah>. god. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's 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 crazy. Uh, I guess I'll. Do we want to talk about all grain? Do we want to get that far into it all, all off the bat? Uh, <laughs> maybe that'll be the next one. Yeah, that'll that'll have to be the next one because uh, <laughs> I don't want to get that far right now. Um, so uh, what I did actually want to talk about though on this initial uh, episode, uh, I want to talk about some different beer styles. Now, now, if you had to pick your favorite beer of all time, all right, maybe not of all time. That's kind of unfair. Uh-huh. Um, your favorite beer currently. What is your favorite beer? How like what style or like what a specific? How about both? How about give me style first and then give me the just the, the actual beer, the brand. You know, I I think I hit this IPA kick two years ago, and I just like that's been my favorite style for a while. Me long too. Time. Just Yay. like just big IPAs, and I think it's that's perfect because that's what we're gonna talk like, about today. <laughs> Um, I, I, I've been exposed to a lot. Like I live, yeah. I've lived right next to like Russian River Brewery. Oh, uh, fuck you. <laughs> Berry Public and uh, Lagunitas. Oh, so those I, like, those God, guys. I hate you. I hate you times three because, so Lagunitas I can get out of here. Berry Public I can get out of here. Russian River does not distribute to Massachusetts. Yeah, they're, yeah. I, I was working, uh, with, with the, some beer distributors at a time when like they just started kind of entering the bottling market. Yeah. Um, so they, they've been, Relatively like small as far as like exporting goes. Yeah, isn't it? Isn't it only? It's California and Oregon, isn't it? I think. I yeah, say, yeah. I want to. I want to say that's it. Yeah, I actually. Uh, my my wife was out in uh, the Portland area uh, a few weeks back, and her one assignment, one assignment that I asked her was to <laughs> get me a bottle of Pliny the Elder, which anyone that has never had it or heard of it, Pliny the Elder is, is made by Russian River. It is a it's a double IPA, and it's one of I'd say almost universally regarded as one of the best double IPAs yeah. out there. That, that's actually what I was going to say. Oh, my, my number one beer. It uh, is the one beer I have. Wa- it's like my white whale. <laughs> I have wanted it, and I have not been able to get it, and that is so frustrating. So, <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, you 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 should. Yes, you definitely have to do that. So, have you uh, have you had plenty of the young plenty of the? Young I haven't young? had any of the the plenty. Okay. No, well, because isn't one's... the younger only on tap? It's it's only yeah they release from the brewery a small batch of it. Yeah, like, every year like yeah, around. Yeah, so it's even harder to get. Yeah, like San Francisco Beer Week, it, it kind of runs in parallel with that, and they do. There's like a brewery up here that does it. Uh, it's just like one night only. Like, hey, yeah. we got this. Yeah. I, I had it at Russian River last year, yeah. and it was like I had to wait in a line around the block. Yeah. Oh yeah, I believe it. You get like I think you get a limit of like two ten ounce pours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, that's that's one of those beers. If you look on a, I mean, I don't beer advocate. Have you you've been to that website? Before? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Excuse me, I don't I don't particularly love that website. I think a lot of the people that go there are kind of a little too snobby <laughs> for me. Yeah. Um, but there's so much information on that site, and one of the I think Pliny the Younger is their most highly rated double IPA. Oh, wow. Yeah. Second only to... Well, actually, Pliny the Elder is third. So my current favorite beer, which is actually the number two on Beer Advocate, uh, is uh, Heady Topper from The Alchemist. Uh, the Alchemist is this brewery in, in Vermont, and they 
can a lot of their beers. They don't distribute very far. Um, I don't actually, I, I, I have a friend that owns a liquor store. I forget where he said they're distributing to now, but it's really not that far from New England. I think it might just be New England, but that beer is so good. What's it called? It's, I never heard it's, of this. It's called Heady Topper. I don't know what that means. <laughs> that's the, that's the name of it. I'm actually looking at the can of it right now on my beer wall. So they're doing like, I, I'm drinking from a can right now as well, the, uh, the 21st Amendment. Which beer. one? It's the Brew Free or Die, oh, die IPA? Brew Free or Die IPA? Gotcha. It's, their, it's their IPA. But, uh, their IPA is pretty solid. Their black IPA is amazing. Yeah. yeah I, I was looking for that at the, at the store that was near me. But um, it seems like there's more breweries that are doing this This can. Like, yeah, I, 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 wonder, I, ha- I have no idea why. And actually, I want to look into that because that might be something to talk about later. I, want, I do wonder why breweries are doing that. I wonder if it's a cost thing. Yeah, it's, I've, it's I've heard. It's got to have to do with it. I've heard a combination of things. Like I, I hear, you know, yeah, it's like it's, you know, it's cheaper to, to do all this, and I, I also hear brewers talk about like, hey, it's you know, it, it keeps it away from the light, and it's yeah, it, you know, yeah, that's true. of flavor, but uh, you know, I'm not sure. Yeah, and that, that actually, the the light thing is is fairly legit, and that's actually, I think that's the reason. Well, that's the reason most breweries use the brown glass instead of the green. Yeah, because it is, it's less permeable. So like if you're if you got beer at higher temperatures, you're less likely to have anything weird happen to it. Um, but yeah, so if you can if you can get some, hell, if I can get some more, I want some more. But <laughs> if you can get some, it's it's solid. It's definitely solid. So on the subject of double IPAs, uh, I kind of wanted to talk about the style because I'm brewing one right now. Um, but before I do that, I've been staring at this bottle since we started talking, and. To for the what 15 minutes before we were setting things up, and I really want to open this now. So I have a bottle of uh, Weyerbacher Simcoe IPA. Uh, it's a double IPA, nine percent alcohol, uh, and it is from uh, Easton, Pennsylvania. Hmm. And I have never had it, but I heard it's really good, and it uses one of my favorite hops of all time, Simcoe. So I'm gonna totally pop this right now. If you want to vamp for a minute while I figure that out. <laughs> So is this using all Simcoe hops? I think so. I think that's the I think that's the idea. Okay. Um, I can tell you after I actually get this because it's corked, so this is getting weird. Oh, interesting. Gotta try is it like a like, like a wire cage and then a yeah. cork? Yeah, yeah, it's a total Belgian style bottle. Yeah, Simcoe is pretty popular with like Russian River and Lagunitas. They use they use quite a bit, but it's always like blending. I think what is is Simcoe more? Is it known more for a bittering hop or? Yeah, it's um a lot of people use it for for bittering. Um, Which is like early on the boil process. Right, right. You... Yeah, yeah, we can actually talk about that in a minute if I can get this freaking cork out. Um, there we go. Nice. Hear that? Nice. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, uh, it is used for, for bittering and flavor is kind of the big one. Um, the brewing process itself, uh, there's generally, I mean, you can have as many hop additions as you want, but there's a few main ones. Um, so I, I know you know this, but some people might not. Um, generally, the first hop that you put in when you're boiling your beer is the bittering hop. That's it's bittering because the hops are exposed to the liquid for a longer period of time, um, and the longer they're exposed, the more uh, the alpha acids and the hops will come through in the beer, and you'll get more bitter taste from them. Um, hops added later are for flavor, so generally. Uh, over the course of making beer, you're boiling for an hour-ish, depending on the style. 
Um, flavor hops usually don't go in until the last 15 minutes or so. Um, everything after that is all aroma. And it's weird because it, the, these hops totally serve that function. Hmm. It, it really, it's, really does matter when you put them in. But Simcoe is a, is an awesome flavor hop. Yeah, I, I guess I don't, I, I, I have like certain hops that I've used before and like, but I don't yeah. really know all the nuances of all the different, you know, okay. kinds. I, I don't either. I don't either. <laughs> I mean, the, it's, it's one of those things you, you find a few that you really, really like and yeah. you stick with them. Um, Simcoe is one of those ones. Simcoe is a, a weird hop. So it's, it's kind of fruity. So it's got this citrusy kind of aroma to it, but it's also really, I hate using these, these weird <laughs> words. Like I'm talking about wine, but, um, it's commonly described as piney and resiny, and it's just got this kick. I don't even know how to explain it. This is why I don't taste wine. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, but it's just, it's really, it's a really kind of unique hop. It's one of those ones that's so hard to get. Hops have a season like anything else, and hop harvest is like September. And if you want Simcoe hops, you gotta buy them, you gotta pre-order them, cause they're oh, well. just gone. Because, like you were saying before, like Russian River eats them up. They use them for tons of their stuff. Yeah, there so, was a period like a couple of years ago where, where like just hot prices went through the roof, and like all yeah. of our beers, like all of our beers jumped up a couple bucks. Like all the local guys. Well, there was a there was a hop shortage. Yeah, and th- that happens all the time. But it, it's, it, I mean, it's a crop. It, it's a it's a commercial crop. But you have to. You have to plan for the growth of it, and so some years are just better than others. Um, I mean, this there's a few fairly common hops that are actually in a shortage this year. Um, I know Simcoe's one of them. Simcoe, not a lot, and for like the entire marketplace, not a lot got out there. Um, Citra is another one where not a lot got out this year. So like those prices totally just skyrocket, and so beers that use them skyrocket in price too. Especially, I mean that's the thing with craft beer is because it's not mass produced, it and the recipe can change a little bit here and there, then it totally affects the cost of the beer. So yeah, and the smaller guys just don't really have a lot of buying power to really exactly get any exactly. deals on that So this beer smells amazing, but the head is like two inches right now, and. Oh, I can't drink it yet. <laughs> so I'm kind of waiting for that to change. Um, but, uh, yeah, it smells really good. It smells like it's going to be a kick in my mouth, which is fun. Um, so why don't, I guess while I'm waiting for this thing to settle down, why don't we talk double IPA? So you like double IPAs? Yeah, I'm a huge fan. Excellent. Uh, double IPA is the kind of the stronger version of a regular IPA, which, uh, do you know your beer history, Joey? Uh, Oh, about the, like the IPA history? Yeah, do you know your IPA I, history? I, Tell I, me. I, I kind of know the. Teach me. Oh, it's been it's been a long time. <laughs> it <laughs> was uh, something about transport, right? They needed yeah, like, a yeah. beer that can transport without being refrigerated. A lot of like, yeah, like uh, lagers or you know, like a, uh, I guess bottom fermented beers. Yep. Yep. I yep. just can't. They need to be trans. They need to be like kept cool, transported yep. cool. Um. Yep. But these trips that they needed to make, like overseas, you know, to India, for example. Yes. They, they yeah, needed the India Pale Ale. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They uh they needed beers that can kind of hold up to temperature changes and just yeah. be stored at, you know, whatever. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, exactly. So I mean, it's kinda... yeah. They they needed beers that could hold up, and the only way to really do that was more alcohol. So a regular pale ale, gen- typically somewhere around five and a half percent for most craft beer nowadays. Um, for it. 
India Pale Ale, you're starting around 6% alcohol, so you have a stronger beverage that will uh, hold up against those higher temperatures and hold up over time too. Um, I think part of the part of what I what I read, I was actually reading up on this because I had, I had kind of known the history, but I hadn't known all the little details. So I was reading up on this earlier, and apparently, part of the reason for the the higher alcohol content is because they don't necessarily ferment the beer before they transport it. So it's fermenting in transport, and because the huh. longer voyage caused more movement in the unfermented beer, which allowed the yeast access to more sugar. Oh, wow. So the yeast just kept yeah. on feeding it. <laughs> yeah. And so that's I guess that's how it started, which is just kind of wild to me. Yeah. But uh, but I guess it makes sense. Um, so Double IPA actually discovered, I don't know, discovered, is this discovered the right word? doesn't sound like the right word. Uh, <laughs> created, I guess, sure. accidentally. <laughs> Uh, and all because of Americans, because <laughs> we wanted more hops. But were, were we the were we like the innovators of the, <laughs> the, the double yeah, IPA? We cra- yeah, we were actually. We just we yeah yeah double more. IPA started as a as an American style. Um, you know, some people will tell you it's it's otherwise, but they're lying to you. It's yeah. it's American. Um, it it's mainly came from I forget the name of the guy that that did the first one, but the idea was. He wanted a really, really, really hoppy beer, and the only way to do that without it tasting too bitter is to also back up the malt. So if you throw in more hops, the idea of a good beer is you want balance. So you want hoppy, but you need to have malt to back it up so that it doesn't taste just bitter. You want it to be a balanced bitterness. So the idea behind a double IPA is it's not technically double the amount of both, because that would be crazy. Yeah. But it's more than normal. So you're looking at, uh, on the low end, uh, an alcohol content of 7.5%, which is fairly significant, I suppose, especially if you're a Bud Light drinker and you're <laughs> yeah. used to your 45 5% beers. That would definitely do it. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a fairly new style in, in the history of beer, but it's one that has been pioneered, especially on your coast over there. With your crazy West Coast brewers and your crazy West Coast IPAs, and I'm jealous. <laughs> so we're just talking like more hops, more malt. Yep. Kind of. More, yeah, pretty much more hops, more malt. Um, I think the actually I have I have the official BJCP guidelines, which is the God. What does it stand for? Beer judge something something. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I'm full of information. The beer judge, something, something. Um, they actually come up with these. Uh, they're the people that monitor judging of beer competitions, okay. and they're uh, they're a countrywide. Actually, I think they're international at this point. Um, an international organization that maintains the official style guidelines for beers. So, if you're submitting a beer to a competition, you want to say you have award-winning beer. Not only do you have to have it be good beer, but it has to be within the style that you're submitting it as. So if I submit an IPA, it needs to fall within the guidelines for an IPA. Like it can't have this much, it can't have more than this many, you know, ounces it, of hops. Exactly. Well, it, they don't get that far into it. Okay. So, but but when you're brewing beer, so when you throw hops in a beer, you don't always have to worry about the the weight or like the ounces that you're putting in there, but you have to worry about the alpha acid content in the hops. So you get 
some hops that have a higher alpha acid, which I'm not a scientist. I don't know what the fuck an alpha <laughs> acid is, but I know it has something to do with hops and bitterness. So the higher percentage of alpha acids in the hops, the more bittering you're going to get from that hop. So if I throw an ounce of one type in that has 5% alpha acid versus an ounce of another type that has 13% alpha acid, for the same amount of time, the one with 13% is going to make that beer more bitter. Uh, is is this the base of the like the bitter units? Yeah, the IBU, the International Bitterness Units. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, some beers will put this on their on their label, like IBU mm-hmm. 48 or whatever. Oh, I just took a sip of that beer. Oh, that okay. is mighty fine. <laughs> so, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Weyerbacher Simcoe IPA, double IPA, Easton, Pennsylvania. Get that, because man, that's really good. Oh man, it's so good. Anyway, um, I should stop drinking right now so I can talk. Uh, so yeah, that's the, that's the formation of IBU. So IBU is International Bitterness Units. Um, it's a number applied to how bitter a beer is, and that's based on how much, what the, basically what the hop content is. But it's kind of bullshit. Cause here's the thing. If you see a beer that claims to have 200 IBU or, 120 IBU or whatever. So anything, for the most part, most IPAs are 70-ish. Most double IPAs are more than that, 60 to 120. Human taste buds can't detect over 100. Hmm. Yeah, so you can't detect beyond 100, and all it does is it feels more bitter. There's no more flavor beyond 100. Oh. It it just it's just straight bitterness, and so it'll dry your mouth out and be kind of nasty. Um, which is why, you, again, like what we were saying earlier, you want to balance a beer. That's what it's about. You want to balance a beer. And you balance it so that you don't get that just straight bitter. You want flavorful bitter. It's kind yeah. of like how if you have the – like you were a coffee drinker? Oh, yeah. You know how you might be drinking an amazing cup of coffee, but if you brew it yourself and you let that last – the dreg sit, and then you try to take that last little sip, it tastes terrible. Yeah. It's the same idea. Where it's at that point it's just whatever the coffee grounds have kind of snuck into your cup of coffee have just been sitting there. Bitterness has been going into that that coffee over and over and over again. It just tastes terrible. Now, what I just said may be total bullshit as well, but in theory it it makes sense in my head. Yeah. I feel like I feel like Will Smith might be correcting me <laughs> mentally. The uh the balance thing like I, I... I think early on in my beer drinking days, like I, I just couldn't tell. Like I, like yeah. things tasted bitter. Like I, there was no, I couldn't, couldn't kind of pick There's out no those. reasoning for it. Yeah, but as you know, as years started going by, and like I just, I started tasting more. Yeah. IPAs, like when I talk to people kind of out, out of town or you know, in other states who aren't used to drinking IPAs, like it all just tastes bitter to them. And I kind of yeah. understand, like, well, all right, yeah, like I know what you're saying, but like it's an acquired taste. Yeah, like it's, it is. Yeah, it's, a, it's definitely something that you you learn to appreciate. Yeah, I don't want to say it's like wine, like wine tasters, you know, kind of are like that, where it's like they, yeah, they kind of are able to like look drink a wine and be like say all these things that you're like, yeah, what? tastes what are you like oak. About? Yeah, like it doesn't. What does oak taste like? Do you <laughs> chew tree? How do you know? How do you, you know what oak? This? Honestly, how how does someone know what oak tastes like? How many times do you chew oak? It's all very clever ver- verbiage. <laughs> uh, 
that that oh, whoa, wine tasting makes me angry. Are you are you into wine at all too? Do you like wine? Yeah, I, I drink wine, but uh, <sighs> I I am I'm aware I, I guess, of how I can't silly talk. it is. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's it feels dumb. Like I, I feel I, I don't I never feel smart drinking wine. <laughs> I feel like I'm doing something wrong. Like I like the wine that tastes like juice. Yeah, maybe I, I that wine. Ju- I kind of just drink everything. I kind of like everything. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's that strategy too. It's like kind of sad, but. Oh, uh, no, that's not sad. That's practical. Because there's yeah. so much, there's so much more available to you. You just have to so drink true. everything. That's, that's a, that's a good strategy. There's nothing that I will not drink at a bar. Don't say that out loud. Because <laughs> I'm sure there are things you wouldn't drink. <laughs> so, uh, let's, uh, well, what do we got for time here? We want to want to talk some questions. Want to answer some questions? Yeah, yeah. Let's, get some of those. Yeah, let's, let's do that. So, uh, so the, again, uh, the name of the beer that I am drinking that is really good right now is uh, Weyerbacher Simcoe IPA. And what are you drinking, Mister Joey? I'm still drinking the uh, the 21st Amendment. 21st yeah. Amendment. Okay. For your diet, Remind it's, it's people. Pretty good. I, um, yeah. Yeah, they, they do. They do some pretty solid beer there. Uh, they have a water. Is it the watermelon wheat they do? Yeah, it's like the. High hell, <laughs> yeah, something. It, something. <laughs> All their beers have something to do with with colonial times yeah. or something. Uh, yeah, I, it, it, no, I, I like. I think I like all their beers on tap. Like, yeah. we have a few. I don't think I've ever local. had one of their beers on tap. Are, we, are, yeah, they, are they local to you? Yeah, they're right next to like okay. the ballpark over here in okay. San Francisco. So we have quite a few bars that have them, and they I just recently started trying it from the can, which I don't know. They're one of the beers that benefit from. Yeah, from fresher kind of taste. Yeah, yeah. The the cans are the cans are good like that. A uh, Dale's Pale Ale is another another good one. The Oscar Blues. Oh yeah. Brew. That that one's a, a good canned beer. Can cans seem to be becoming a thing. Yeah, I, know, I think uh, some breweries like recently just went out of bottles and over yeah, the cans. I know. I think Six Point does all cans now, and they're actually great because they do the nice sixteen ounce cans. So, oh, nice. Tall boys. Tall boys, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and when you can get a tall boy of good beer, that's that's a that's a good deal. Um, actually, you know what? Here, I'll, I'll tell you this one. So, talking before we move on to questions, one more double IPA that is so good that I actually just recently had. Uh, I, I mentioned earlier, my buddy owns a liquor store. Um, so when I moved back to this area, I live in Plymouth, Mass. When I moved back to this area. Um, the liquor store that's near me was one of the few from this town that actually has a good craft beer selection. So I started shopping there and he introduced me to this beer from the new England brewing company. Um, same, same company. I don't know if you, you guys can get them out there, but have you ever had Imperial stout trooper? No. Oh, okay. Well, a, you should do that because it has a stormtrooper on the bottle, which is, <laughs> which is great. Um, but they make a, uh, they make a double IPA called Gandhi bot. And it, the, just, it's, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It has a robot Gandhi on the cover, Wait, on, so the, on the can. The brewery is Imperial Stout Trooper? Oh, no, no, no. That's just one, oh, that's of, just one of their beers. beers? Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the brewery is New England Brew. Oh, um, okay. And they, uh, so they have this double IPA called Gandhi Bot. And it is so good. It's one of those beers. I tend to pour beer in glasses just to see what it looks like. Um, yeah. And also because I like to use the right, the right glass for the beer, which was a question, which we will get to. Um, and you can actually see little hot particles floating in it, hmm. which is awesome. It's just, it's all, oh, it's so good. 
Okay. Oh, so what, what do you use? Do you use pellets? So there's like, uh, ah, I've, I've used. Yeah, that's a great question, actually. Raw hops three times, and then the rest, uh, there's the place around here that only serves, only sells pellets, so I've yeah. defined those. For so, so I, um, so as a, a brief primer on hops, um, that you can get a whole bunch of different kinds. Um, when you actually pick them off the vine, it's, it's a, like a cone. Um, and those Ooh. dried hop cones are what you would buy if you have whole, they call it whole leaf hops. Um, so those are what actually looks like hops. They look like leaves and flowers that you th- would throw into your beer. It's like little buds, little like, you know, yeah. flower buds. Yeah. If you have a pound of leaf hops and you get pulled over, that <laughs> yeah. cop is not going to know the difference. <laughs> I'm just telling you. So be careful when you're transporting your hops. Um, but there's also pellet hops, which they basically take a whole bunch of those leaf hops, compress them down into what looks like rabbit food. Yeah, I was going to say, rabbit food. Yeah, yeah rabbit it looks food. just like rabbit food, but it's not. Um, so, yeah, there's there's benefits to both. Um, and it really, I guess, it depends on your process. I mean, I I prefer pellet hops mainly because you get more bang for your buck. I order – do you order hops like per batch or do you – uh, no, the, the places that I've gone to here sell them in, like, you're the refrigeration area and they have them in, yeah. like, in, like, three ounce packs. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, I actually, I, I used to buy by the ounce when I did my recipes, but I started buying in bulk because it was cheaper. So, I buy a pound at a time. I mean, I actually buy multiple pounds. I have six pounds of hops in my fridge right now. Um, cause they don't really go bad. Do they mail them, like, like, a like, a uh, vacuum sealed. And yeah, it's like a, like a food saver bag. Yeah. So if you have a food saver, you can just seal them up again, and they're they're fresh for for as long as you keep them refrigerated. Um, so I uh, I started ordering in bulk, and and the the pellet hops are a much better deal because they're cheaper to begin with, and they also way overfill the bags. So hmm. you buy a pound, and you get closer to a pound and a half. So wow. I'm not going to complain about that. <laughs> I'm gonna the take only, that and I'm gonna run with it. <laughs> the only thing I've noticed, because I I I don't have um, so I, I just do like the, the boil in the pot, and I usually right. just either throw the raw hops in there and do the boil that way, yep, or I just throw the pellets in there, yeah. Uh, when the, but they the, I've always gotten more sediment at the end. So when with, you go from like the uh, with the pellets, yeah, yeah, is that something? Is yeah, well, you know what the thing is? It's because pellets, when they, when you throw them in, in the, the boiling wort, which is what unfermented beer is called, when you throw them in there, they break up and they dissolve and they form this kind of muck. And that muck just sinks to the bottom of your fermenter. Leaf hops don't really do that. Some of them will sink to the bottom, but a lot of them will just kind of stay floating at the top. So like if you're, if your beer is done fermenting and you pull that lid off, Leaf hops, for the most part, are still going to be at the top, so you won't be able to, you won't like get as much crap in the bottom. Um, but yeah, they just—it's just the way they spread themselves out, I guess. Yeah, it's kind of I don't know if there's a real scientific reason for it, but it, that's definitely true. But I use—I use the pellets because I, I actually—I have a fairly elaborate setup, which we can talk about some other day. But um, I use a high-temperature liquid pump in my setup. So instead of having, yeah, that's a, that's a new one. That was a, that was a Christmas present from dad. Yeah. <laughs> Ever since I moved out, he's been feeding my beer habit because he knows that. So I recently had, a, had a child. Well, I guess not recently at this point. She's almost a year old, but, um, she, 
when I had her, he knew that when he came to babysit, he could hit my keg because I keg my beer. So he knew taps in the basement. So he's been buying me these upgrades slowly so I can improve my beer. So he's drinking better beer when he comes to babysit, which good on you, dad. That's a, that's yeah, that is a smart man. Damn fine strategy <laughs> and it's working. So, so the pump, the pump is a new addition, but so I, I use the high temp li- liquid pump and the problem with the Leafs is that they, they clog the pump. Oh. Cause I like to recirculate from the kettle when, uh, like when I'm cooling down just to keep things moving. Um, so I'll actually have the beer kind of go out of the kettle, into the pump, out of the pump, up back into the kettle, just so it's constantly moving and ends up cooling down faster because of that, just because you have that movement. Um, but the the leaf hops will clog that pump instantly. Pellets won't. So I use pellets for the most part now just because I use the pump. Um, but, I mean, they're they're both the same. They're both hops. You need more leaf right. hops for the same amount. They take up a lot more room. Excuse me, I just burped into the microphone. That's rude. But I am drinking beer, so whatever. Um, but the, uh, I think the main thing that I, I use leaf hops for is dry hopping. Do you, do you dry hop at all? Yeah. Do so you want to explain what dry hopping is? Yeah, do you I, know what dry hopping is? I think is? you, yeah. I, <laughs> again, I do it by like instruction, yeah. but, uh, I mean, it's, it's really adding like, you're just adding the aromas at that point, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's all. at the very end. Yeah, I've seen some. The, go ahead. Like I've, I've seen some devices that I think Dogfish Head is putting out. Yeah, the where, Randall. Yeah, that was, on, that was untested. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I watched that. I was, <laughs> I was, I was so surprised. It was, it was so funny because after I talked to you about doing this podcast, I read that story, and I was like, oh man, <laughs> that's, that's how random. I think I uh, yeah, saw so, that a long time ago on like a beer documentary. Yeah, they were talking about that. Um, but that's yeah, actually just like throwing your last, like the, throwing the beer through it at the last second. Yeah, yeah. So a Randall is actually you can you can make a Randall or or buy a Randall or do whatever. Um, but like the a lot of the big breweries, because their beer is potentially gonna sit on a shelf for a while, they want as much hop aroma as possible to go into their IPAs and stuff. So. They'll run it through, like, right before bottling, they'll run it through something called a Randall, which is basically like a big holding tank that's just full of hops. And so what that's gonna do is as the beer passes through, it, it's gonna take, take up some of that hop, hop aroma with it. Like some of those alpha acids are gonna kinda carry through and gonna become aroma. Um, and that just, it just works. So yeah, Dogfish Head is, is selling this mini, what do they call it, the Randall the Randall Jr. or something, yeah, yeah which something is like kind of like it's one of those Zojirushi thermoses, <laughs> but for yeah. beer, and you put hops in it or something. I don't know. I didn't understand how it worked, but yeah, I mean, aroma hops. Dry hopping is just aroma hops. That's all it is. It just means throwing hops in, or yeah, throwing hops into the beer after the beer is fermented. So. so- Alright, so it's just getting like those last little bits of oil and kind of... Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, hops are, hops have this, uh, god, what the hell is it called? Uh, lupulin is the, is the chemical that, or the oil that's on hops, that resiny kind of pollen, it's almost, it's almost like pollen, but not quite. Um, so it's that kind of stuff, it looks like pollen, it's yellowy. Um, but that's the stuff that gives the hops its flavor. Um, so that's what the beer is absorbing. It's not really getting anything else other than that, but that's what that's what it give that's where the aroma comes from. So you basically have the 
it's kind of like he, if you were to coat something in powder and then stick it in water, that powder is going to dissolve into the liquid. It's the same kind of thing with, with lupulin and hops. Like you stick those, those hops in there, it's going to take that lupulin off and just kind of absorb it into the liquid. And that's where the aroma comes from. So that's kind of the purpose. Um, I'm actually, I just dry hopped a beer that I'm fermenting now with a couple ounces and it's always fun. It's always fun. Double IPAs back to, back to double IPAs. <laughs> always dry hopped. I think actually technically by style, I feel like they have to be. That's like one of their one of their th- characteristics. Yeah, hold on, I'm gonna look right now. I had a beer by Russian River that they did called the Hop Father. The, that's <laughs> awesome. I think it was just I, like I a, a limited batch, but a yeah, that sounds su- awesome. It was it was a little weird. I I think this was one of those kind of experiments that was they just, just like, wanted to be weird. Yeah, it was like way too unbalanced. Like you, I I, I felt like I was drinking like this just. Just raw hop juice. Uh, <laughs> I think they they just up the up the hops on 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 the boil and then just like they just dry hop the hell out of it. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. I see. I like beer like that. It's, it's, <laughs> you can only take so much of it. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. According to official styles, uh, most versions are dry hopped. There you go. Okay. Uh, and also, I love the way they describe the bitterness. Uh, if you if you ever look at BJCP style guidelines, it's really cool to see what they have to say about what things should look like and what they should taste like. So under the flavor category, um, one of the things that they mention is that there should be high to, and I quote, absurdly high bitterness. <laughs> this is the official guideline, and it says absurdly high. Which is awesome. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So let's uh, let's take some questions here from Formspring. Uh, if you are listening and you are interested in sending in a question or you want to know something, you can go to formspring.com. Excuse me, formspring.me/slash giant beer cast and you can drop a question there. Um, these are just the the few that people have have submitted as our pre-first show thing. Um, so let's, uh, I guess I'll start from the beginning. Um, some anonymous dude, who I don't know who he is, um, writes, I've seen a couple homebrew kits that look capable, I guess. They're typically a plastic container that allows you to pour in some water, a packet of hops, slash barley, etc., and some yeast. The plastic alone grosses me out, but there are there any merits to this method? Joey. <laughs> Are there uh, merits to that method? <laughs> is this the uh, is this the plastic bucket that, that yeah. I use? Yeah. I, yeah, it seems like I I don't. It seems fine. Can I <laughs> like give you, you a special hint? Yeah. What's uh? What's, I still use plastic buckets. I, I yeah. I think a lot of people like I see that in the background of a lot of kind of yeah really intense homebrewers. Yeah, a lot of people. So I mean, your fermenter. So so those those kits. Um, I, my guess is that the kit you're referring to is one of those Mr. Beer things, which is the fake-looking plastic kegs. They little barrel. Yeah, yeah. They're, now, you can make good beer using those, but it's a lot harder to, and there's a lot of weird things you kind of have to do to make good beer out of that. Um, and actually, there's a really great resource if you go to um, homebrewtalk.com. It's a, it's a homebrewing forum, a um, lot of knowledgeable people there, um, and there's a, actually a whole thread just on Mr. Beer on how to make decent beer using that kit. So if you're referring to that one, it's possible, but the other kits are better. But if you're just worried about plastic, 
you don't have to worry about plastic. I mean, it, it's like no, no matter what, it's still important to like really sanitize the hell yeah. out of this stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. The most the most important thing you can do is sanitize your equipment because any little microbe that gets in there is gonna is gonna totally fuck up your day when you're trying to ferment because the yeast are gonna eat whatever's available. So your goal is to make sure the only thing available to them is the sugar in the wort. That's it. You don't want to have any kind of outside stuff available to them to eat because that's going to lead to infection in your beer. And it doesn't necessarily mean your beer is going to become poisonous or anything like that, but it's going to mean that your beer tastes like crap. Yeah. So I had I had one beer that I made once that tasted like feet. Oh, man. I mean, you know what real dirty, smelly feet smell like? That's what it tasted like. That sounds terrible. Yeah, I drank it anyway, though. <laughs> <laughs> because, because I had to. Because... I felt I felt like I had to punish myself. <laughs> like I screwed it up. So I did something wrong. I have to live with my mistakes. This is the only way I'll learn. <laughs> this is the only way I'll learn. Yeah, absolutely. It's like when you you take a puppy and you shove their face in their in their. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not that I do that. I would never do that. I did that with my my child though. <laughs> No, I would never do that either. Um, there's a there's a third like I've seen like a glass like a like a big glass. Yeah, jug. The, the the glass carboys. How is people, that? It's fine. I mean, the th- the thing is, that's the thing. Like, you can ferment in freaking anything. Uh, I know people that ferment in pet food containers. <laughs> you can totally do it. It's it's just it. You just have to be sanitary about it. That's all it is. I mean, you sanitize just about anything as long as it's not made out of some substance that's going to leach chemicals into your beer. It's going to be fine. Like it, it, it honestly is. Uh, you would have to screw something up for it to to go bad. Plastic is not something to worry about. The reason people tell you to stay away from plastic is because when you're cleaning it, so if you use a rough sponge or something, so if you use one of those like pot scrubber sponges to try to get yeast off or whatever, because when yeast gets dry, it's a big pain to scrape off. So if you do that, you can get little scratches that you might not necessarily be able to see in the plastic, and those can get little bacteria in them. Oh, and that's what people get concerned with. Okay. Is that because you can get an infection from that, but realistically plastic buckets are so cheap there's it's nothing to worry about. I mean you can buy a new one for ten bucks. Yeah. And it's it's gonna be fine. If you sanitize it also kinda depends what sanitizer you use. Like some of this like what what do you use to sanitize? Uh it's usually what is it? It's like a little I can't remember. That. I had to change up my. There was one I used to use that was like pellets. Uh-huh. You just throw in like a certain yeah. amount of water, uh, and then this new place sells this like powder. I, I don't think I don't think theirs is a brand name. Like they sell it in like these little gotcha. just kind of makeshift Ziploc bags. Yeah. Um. So they're giving weird shit. You don't. Yeah, and I, I was told by somebody early, early on that like like bleach in some water was all right, but I didn't oh. really trust that. <laughs> I oh, heard why that. would you want to put bleach in something you're gonna drink? Yeah. So oh, that's weird. eventually. The beer guy at the at the the, the store was that was like yeah don't don't use that like yeah, use, use this uses bleach <laughs> oh my god what what guy told you that I think that was the the Alton Brown show that I saw oh no <laughs> that guy did like a like a beer a beer special or something I think bleach. that that's what it was it was like bleach is oh. water yeah. Oh. It didn't sound right at all. Like, oh, it doesn't sound right. There's a reason you're supposed to lock bleach up when you have children. <laughs> it's not because they should be drinking it. Um, is there a certain brand that you? Yeah, I use. Uh, so I used to use uh, Iodophore, which is like a iodine type 
thing. Um, I don't use that anymore just because it's kind of finicky, like what temperature the water has to be when you mix it and stuff like that. Um, I use a brand called, uh, the brand is Five Star and the product is called Star San. It's a acid based sanitizer and it's really awesome. It's, it's a little more expensive than other sanitizers, but, um, it comes in this really good, like really big jug with a, a built in measuring cup. You kind of like squeeze it and enough comes up into the top to, you know, with a, with like a measure, like a volume measurement. So, excuse me again. Um, you can, you can actually take that and measure it out perfectly so you get the proportions right. And it foams up really, really well, which you want because it will coat all of the inside of whatever you're, you're filling. So like if I'm sanitizing a bucket, that foam fills the bucket. And so I have a nice, nice base of every, I know everything's getting getting yeah. sanitized. So and that's that's kind of the fear with plastic is that you want to make sure everything's sanitized so the foaming stuff is the best. Um and that foam actually breaks down into yeast nutrient. Huh. Which is even cooler. Yeah. It's yeah. totally edible, it's totally food grade, it's whatever. As long as you make it in the, the proper dilution, you could you could grab a scoopful of the stuff and eat it and it wouldn't do anything to you. So you don't have to rinse it, which is cool. So that's why I use that. Mainly because I'm lazy and I don't want to rinse it. Man, sanitizing things while I'm brewing is, I, I have so much anxiety. <laughs> so, <laughs> so nervous while I'm doing all that stuff. I did, you know, it's weird. I did it first because, cause, yeah, I mean, you're brewing beer. You don't want to accidentally, here I am halfway through my brew day and I just screwed something up not knowing it. But I, I, I've never done it. The feet, the feet beer was a, was an exception. Yeah. The feet beer was its own thing where I, I, it's, I believe, I, I could be wrong, but I believe the, the foot beer was the one beer that I had where I had the, the lid blow off my fermenter. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was this is from bad. the, sh- this is from like the sugars, like the, the, yeah, the, the yeast. Yeah. Pressure- <laughs> yeah. Cause as the, so as oh, the, man. Yeah, as the yeast eats the sugar, it off gasses CO2. And if you don't have enough space in your fermenter for that to, to go, Somewhere, it's just gonna build up pressure <laughs> until the lid blows off. That happened to me. It was real bad. So foot beer. So so boys and girls, make sure that you have proper ventilation for your fermenter, or you will have foot beer. It's great. Um, so yeah. So uh, to to get back to this this guy's question, who we just we just spent like ten minutes talking about <laughs> random bullshit instead of the question, but whatever. Um, plastic, totally fine. Do plastic. It's great. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, question from Rent FN. Uh, what are some tips for someone just getting into homebrewing? I read the joy of homebrewing, but it seems intimidating. Uh, that's because the joy of homebrewing is intimidating. Um, there's a lot of sciencey stuff in that book that you don't necessarily need to know to make good beer. Um, a lot of the, the, the less professional resources are actually a lot better, I found, for, for starting out. I mean, when you, so you, you started, finding recipes online where did you look when you looked for recipes uh it was it was i was directed to like forums yeah like it was a lot of forums of these guys saying like i think it was i think my first one i found a guy was like hey here's the you know stone ruination ipa clone yep and then i kind of took that and i was like well i'm just gonna kind of change it here and there like i'll change the hops and just mess around with myself and like kind of do what's local like whatever hops in season like i'll try that and yeah that's the cool thing i mean it's it's a brewing is a lot of experimentation yeah I mean, have you ever done a smash beer? Do you know what a smash beer is? No. Single malt, single hop. Um, okay. So, 
uh, single malt and single hop if you want to get the acronym right. I've been wanting to do something like that just to kind of learn the characteristics of certain you know certain hops. Yeah, and that's better. it's a that's a really really cool way to do it. I mean, you give yourself a fairly basic style, and the, the great thing about a smash beer is you can actually kind of do the same base for everything and just change the hops. Mm. So you'll really learn the characteristics of different hops. So it's, it's definitely a, a cool way to do it. But I mean, th- a lot of experimentation is what makes home brewing fun. If you, if you get too far into the science of it, it's, it's cool, but I, f- I can totally see why it would be overwhelming or intimidating. Yeah. Especially if you, if you haven't done it yet and then you read the book. You know, it's one thing if you if you kind of try it and then read the book as some backup information, but if you're using that as your introduction to what homebrewing is like, it's gonna be it's gonna sound crazy. It's gonna sound totally crazy. I mean, if you you know what a really really good thing to look at. Um, did you ever watch that show on Discovery Brewmasters? No. So it was. I, I wish they I wish they kept it on, but it was a six episode series. Um, that followed uh, Sam Calgione, the dude that found Dogfish Head. Um, and it was on Discovery Channel. It was a whole brewing process show. It was cool. It was really, really cool. But he gives a nice overview of the process without getting too sciencey. Um, so if you can check that out, I don't know if it's on streaming or like the the Discovery Channel streaming. I don't even know if they still have it up because it aired, aired a few few years back, so I don't know if they have it anywhere. But uh, definitely something to check out if you want to see some basic information. Um, but yeah, I'm, yeah, the science stuff has always been kind of an afterthought for me. Like I, yeah. I just learn more of the basic stuff, and then like, yeah. that's if I'm interested, then I'll kind of right. delve into. Yeah, and uh, that's and that's in a lot of ways, I think that's the way it should be. Yeah, I and mean, you don't it, it, the science is cool, but realistically, you're not going to make good beer by being a scientist. You can be a scientist and make good beer. But you being a scientist is not going to lead to you making good beer. Experimenting and practicing and and trying new things is what's going to make you make good beer. You can have scientifically the best beer and screw one little step up and have foot beer. (laughs) (laughs) Again, we've established you don't want foot beer. It's bad. It tastes like feet. It's not good. You don't want that. Uh, So, uh... Jesus, the foot beer. I'm like, I'm getting chills thinking about that's, what that's it tasted like. That's, it was so bad. I wish I could go back in time and give you some so you could know. <laughs> so, just so you could feel my pain. Um, but yeah, uh, don't worry too much about books. Um, check out, I'm gonna plug them a bunch on this podcast because they're, they're huge, huge helps to people like me. Um, and people that are interested in brewing in general. Uh, homebrewtalk.com. Those guys are a lot of good people there. A lot of great beginner resources. So definitely check that out if you are interested in the process. Um, okay, next question uh, from another anonymous dude. Uh, I find Ho Garden to hit my sorry Who Garden. Did you know that they tell you how to pronounce that on their bottle? Uh-uh. Yeah, yeah. They say it's it's Who Garden. They're like it's Who Garden, you motherfucker. Stop uh-huh. saying Ho Garden. I've always called it Hogarden. So have I. I still do it, even though I read the thing on the on the the bottle that tells you how to pronounce it. I, I feel like they're just trying to cover their ass. <laughs> I feel like they don't want people calling it Hogarden and making it an inappropriate joke, like I have just been doing. <laughs> um, I feel like they don't want that. So 
That's their excuse. Anyway, I find Hogarden to hit my preferences pretty well, even outside of summer. What other Belgian whites do you recommend in that same vein? Mm. Mm. I, I know I have one off the top of my head that I actually just drank a lot of on Saturday at a wedding. Um, but I'll let you go first if you have one. I, you know, I, it's been so long since I've, I, it's been so long. I've had like a little white lie again, Russian River, and yeah. this couple Belgiums. Uh, yeah. but I, I used to actually drink a lot of, of Ho Garden. <laughs> back, uh, back Ho a while garden. back. Yes, the Garden yeah. of Hose. Um, yeah, I, uh, Allagash White. Oh yeah, fantastic yeah. beer! Holy shit, I had a lot of it. So we were, we were at a wedding on Saturday, and uh, it was open bar, and they had that on tap. So that's what I drank all night. That's actually they're over like yeah, it was great. Yorkish? Like no, they're in Maine. Maine, okay. Maine, yeah, yeah. They uh, they make an awesome Belgian white. Um, if you're looking for, depends what you like about Hogarten. If you like the wheat beers. If that's your thing, um, if it's the if it's the wheat characteristic that you like about Belgians, um, then you could go with. Um, you don't necessarily have to go with a Belgian. Um, you can go with like an American wheat. Some of the lighter American wheats are, are pretty good. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example for you. Um, oh man, um, even. You mentioned the Russian River one. That one's pretty good. That's that's straight up Belgian. Um, if if you so if it's the wheat characteristic you like, any Hefeweizen will really do it for you. You don't have to go whipped beer. You can go Hefeweizen instead. Hefeweizen is the, kind of the German version of that. Like Francis Connors. Really yeah, like yeah. The, uh, God, what's my favorite? The Polliner. What the the Yeah. yeah. The Germans. <laughs> so fun. Um, <laughs> they uh they make some beers. Um, I but, see uh, that Polliner's. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> um. So, so Hogarden is, as far as the Belgians that are available commercially, um, that's one of the best examples of it, to be honest. Allagash White's great. Um, so if you can get that locally wherever you are, that's a really, really good one. Also, uh, Clown Shoes is a brewery. Um, they do, a they do some, some of their beers are terrible. Some of them are really good, but they have, they do an awesome, um, Belgian wit with, uh, Clementines called, uh, I, I think it's actually just called Clementine. Um, so it's Clown Shoes, Clementine. I think they only package it in 22-ounce bottles, um, but it's really, really good. It's a little sweeter than most Belgians. Kind of the the Belgian thing is the coriander. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like the coriander, the spicy little spicy bite, um, and that's what Hogarden does pretty well. Um, Allagash does it pretty well, too, but um, definitely try the, uh, the, the what's it called, the... Uh, the clown shoes. It's definitely, it's solid. It's definitely solid. Does that come um, like Allagash comes in that like nice 750 milliliter cork? Yeah, they have they have the 750 corks. They do six packs of it too. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, they, I mean, I don't know. That might be a local thing for me, but I, I know they do. They do do six six packs of it. Um, you know what else is really really good? Um, Dogfish Head actually does a Belgian um, a Namaste. It's one of their, uh, I think they only do 750s of it, maybe 22s, but the, the bigger size, it's one of their fancier corked kind of things. Um, but if you can find that, Namaste is pretty good. Um, it's, it's, I mean, they do their whole, if you're familiar with Dogfish Head at all, they do weird things. A they lot. do a lot of, like, four packs. And, uh, they do a lot of four packs, and they do a lot of weird experimental beers. Um, 
And Namaste, I think, started as an experiment, but it's it's fairly traditional. So in terms of Dogfish Head, they go from their their from traditional with their IPA and their in Namaste to crazy fucking beers made with things that you don't know are Apra, real things. Apra, is there a the April hop? God, it's Apra so hop. gross. That's, <laughs> oh, I never had so that one. Bad. Oh, it's so nasty. It's so bad. Oh my god. I actually I have a bottle of it over on my I have a bottle collection uh in my beer room and yes I have a beer room. Um is that bad? Should I not have a beer room? That's pretty cool. <laughs> okay, okay, good. Good. I'm glad we're on the same page. <laughs> so I have a uh, I have a bottle of that and I don't know why I keep it because it's so oh, it's so gross. It's too sweet. Hmm. It's just it's and I think even on the bottle it doesn't I don't think it calls it a, itself a beer. I think it calls it a malt beverage which there's your key right there. Note to self: malt beverage, beer, not the same thing. So, so what is April hop like? Is it or April hop? Is it uh, is, not, is it a hoppy at all? Is no, it not, they just kind of threw no, that in no. name. It pun. just sounds cool, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. They do weird beers. I will say though, their pumpkin really good. Yeah, I was gonna say they do like a real pumpkin. Yeah, they do a real pumpkin. Ale. Which have you had the shipyard pumpkin head? Yeah, uh, that's like you, the pumpkin nail. Yeah, did yeah. you know there's no pumpkin in it? Yeah, yeah, I've heard, I've heard yep. mixed things. Like it's like a tad bit of pumpkin flavoring or something. Yeah, it's that's all spices and stuff. Yeah. So anyway, okay. Anyway, uh, Belgians. Uh, yeah, Dogfish Head. That's a good one. Okay. God, there's more questions than I thought there were. Um, okay. Have you ever tried Tenant's Lager from I've... Stephen King '85? Uh, no. Red Tenant's. No. No, that's it... Scottish, actually. I think. You know what? They I've, I've heard of it. You can't get it around here. I don't know if you can get it where you are. I think it's I think it's hard to find in the states. Um, it's a, it's a Scottish beer. Yeah, it's a Scottish lager. The only Scottish beers I've really had was like Bellhaven. Yeah, yeah. That's that's kind of that's kind of the one to get around here. Um, yeah. That we don't get a lot of. I mean, we get some imports, but for the for that kind of stuff, we don't. Um, a lot of the loggers don't get imported here because everyone has logger. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, no? Sorry? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, this one is from, I have to, like, bring this iPad up to my face here. Velixly Medvedjed? Huh. Yeah, he's, there are words in his name. I don't, <laughs> okay. Uh, he has a pretty awesome icon, though, on a form of spring. It just, it's some general, it just says haters. That's kind of funny. All right, it's not funny, but whatever. Um, sorry, Vel, big dude. Um, he says, "What do you need to make homebrew beer, and can you sell it?" Um, I think we've kind of covered that. Yeah, but if uh, the, the I don't know about selling it. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I, can t- I can tell you all about selling it in a second. <laughs> um, I, I've tried to figure this out. Um, so to make it, if you want the absolute basic version, I'm going to tell you equipment. And I'm going to tell you ingredients. You need a stove capable of boiling at least three gallons of liquid. You need water. You need a big stock pot size pot. You need some malt extract. You need some hops. You need some yeast. You need a, a vessel you can ferment in. That's, and that plastic bucket's fine. Uh, anything that you could put a lid on with an airlock so that CO2 can escape. Um, so you don't get feet beer. Uh, that's it, right? Yeah, it's pretty, pretty, yeah, it's like the essential. Those are of- the essential things that you need to, to brew 
your own beer. Realistically, if you can get yourself to a homebrew store, um, if you can get yourself to an actual homebrew store, not some liquor store that has a homebrew section, an actual homebrew store, dudes there will be able to set you up with what you need to actually do a, do a recipe. Um, I am not opposed to kits. Kits are a great value if you aren't comfortable making your own recipes or if you aren't comfortable looking for recipes. So you can get a fairly inexpensive equipment kit somewhere. Ingredient kits are the same deal. You can spend, I don't know, 35, 40 bucks, get a kit that has all the ingredients, including the yeast that you're going to need. That's a, that's a good deal. Yeah, and then step it up from there. Yeah, you step up from there if, exactly. like, later on. It gets cheaper when you do your own recipes. It definitely gets cheaper. It gets even cheaper when you do all grain. So it's one of those things where if you're doing extract, which is how you're going to start out, you're gonna you're looking at spending maybe thirty five bucks forty for five gallons of beer. Which again, that's two cases plus a six pack. If you try to buy two cases and a six pack of something decent, you're gonna spend way more than forty bucks. Yeah. You're gonna, you're gonna spend way more than forty bucks. I mean, what what does a six pack cost out in California? Uh, the beer, the beer I drink, like yeah. I, I, I'm looking at like eight, eight fifty, nine dollars. Really? Oh, yeah. your prices are awesome. <laughs> you guys a little more? Oh my god, yeah. If you want a six pack of decent decent beer, you're looking at at least nine bucks, like nine bucks to to thirteen. Yeah, I guess. Okay, I think it's more like we get a lot of deals. Uh, yeah. from like local got, beers, like yeah, Lagunitas is always like eight bucks. That's the thing. All the good shit you guys have <laughs> out there makes it cheap for you. It's expensive for me. Like, if you wanted to buy a six pack of Stone Ruination, what would it cost you? Stone is actually they jumped up in price around here, but they are they're they've always been about eight dollars. Eight dollars. I think right now Ruination is going for ten dollars a six pack. Ten dollars. Like, you know how much I have to pay for a six pack of Ruination? What? Seventeen dollars. Oh shit! Yeah. Seventeen dollars. Seventeen dollars. My God. And that's a reasonably priced homebrew shop too, or not homebrew shop, but liquor store. I don't think I've ever seen a six yeah. packer. <laughs> yeah. Seventeen yeah. dollars. That's that's that kind of, stuff like that. That's that's hard to find, or quote unquote hard to find. It gets gets gouged here. The only the only West Coast brew that we can get for fairly cheap is anything Sierra Nevada, but that's that's it. Yeah, yes. they're, they're, they're like our biggest kind of our yeah pretty big brewery right here. Yeah, they're good. They're good. Um, their tor- their torpedo is really good. Yeah, as I say, I drink the torpedo every yeah, now and then. Yeah. Have you had the uh, the Hoptimum yet? No. That's their new one. They just released it. It's only in four packs. Um, I haven't had it yet, but I have a I have a four pack on hold at my my liquor store there, and uh, I hear I hear it's really good. So so fair warning. Um, so back to this dude's question. Um. Uh, yeah, those are the things you need. Talk to someone at a homebrew store. Um, again, homebrewtalk.com. Go there, check it out. There's a lot of information there, so you don't need a lot. Um, you just need some. The the biggest thing, I don't know. What, okay, so if Joey, what do you think the biggest thing someone who has never homebrew before needs to know about homebrewing? What is that thing? Hmm. Like the most important. The most important thing. I <laughs> no, no pressure. <laughs> I would say sanitation, sanitization, yeah. just because yeah. I yeah. San- I'm, I'm so afraid of of that. Yeah, you don't want. Um, you can, man. What's the, what's the rule? What do what do you not want? Foot beer. 
yeah, you don't want foot beer. <laughs> you really don't. You trust me. It, it might be eight percent. It might get you drunk. You don't want foot beer. Um, so other than that, biggest thing, absolute biggest thing, more sanitization. Yeah. Like honestly, sanitize, twice, twice. Just, just do it. Just do it. Uh, other than that, time. You gotta, you gotta be patient. Yeah, a little bit of patience. Yeah. I think just like, I mean, just the the concept of what what you're doing, like yeah. just the basic basic concept of what you're doing. Like I am just boiling these hops with this malt and I, will, and I will yeah for, I'm stick it in a bucket and then when it gets to a temperature I will throw yeast in and I will let yeast is weird I've never I don't know too much about yeast yeast, yeast is a just, living thing yeah I, that's, I always, that's weird to me I throw it into the beer like when it at the temperature it needs to be and I just don't fuck with it I'm like alright yeah, you just, just do let, what you, let you do go. You, you do your thing you eat your I don't chip. know how to help you out just here <laughs> just take it from here yeah, yeast uh, is a really weird thing. It's the fact, like, knowing that it multiplies and it grows and it's eating stuff. Ah, yeast is weird. It's doing a lot more who, stuff than I did. Who thought of beer? I mean, honestly, like, who was like, you know what, you know what, you know what we should do? We have this water. Yo, let's throw these flowers in there. <laughs> and, then, and then let it sit for a month and then we'll get to drink it. Who does yeah. that? What would, what would ever make you want to do that? I, it I, sounds I'm still, gross. I'm still not even clear about how they get yeast in like a the like you buy it in like a little little like vial. Yeah, you, so you, you buy it. Yeah, you can buy it and like you buy it basically. You're buying a, like a strain of yeast. Yeah, yeah. You you're just buying what is basically something made in a lab. I think they make it in a lab, right? I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what though. There's a there's a really cool episode of that show I was talking about earlier, Brewmasters. Um, where they wanted to make a beer using a recipe that they found in some like like tomb in Egypt or something. <laughs> like that's a, that sounds so dumb to say out loud, but no, like that's literally what they were doing. They're like we're gonna make this beer from this ancient recipe. Okay, cool. And so their solution was let's go to Egypt, let's put petri dishes out. In this plantation, like, capture, like, capture wild, capture the yeast. wild yeast. Wow, yeah, that's what they did. That's nuts. It's crazy. That's crazy. Who who wants who wants that? It could be terrible. Yeah, that's what they did. Do you do you have a certain like? Do you buy a certain yeast that you always use? Or yeah, there. Well, it depends on the style. I mean, there's there's so many strains of yeast out there that I use for different things, but um, I have a couple that I use a lot of. So there's so if you're buying yeast for homebrew. There's there's a couple different laboratories that make them. Um, there's uh, Y yeast labs. There's White Labs. There's Saf Ale. There's I don't know. I think those are the big three. Um, but there's dry yeast and liquid yeast. And dry yeast there's less variety, but it's cheaper. Liquid yeast is more specific to beer style, but it's a little more expensive. Um, I use a lot of dry yeast. I use Saf Ale US05. Hmm. That's my that's my go-to. It's an American ale yeast. It's great for IPAs. Yeah, I've always used. We have a like a California ale yeast vial. Like that, the, is uh, that the uh, the WLP zero zero one? I think so. Yeah. I, I've always gotten that. I did a cream ale once, so I bought like an English cream ale yeast. Yeah, English like, yeasts are weird. There's a, they they always have some weird off flavor that I can't quite place. Hmm. Like I think it's supposed to be there. But I just, I, uh, I don't know. Does that make me racist? <laughs> is it racism? What is it? If I'm, if I'm anti-English. Anti-English. <laughs> am I yeast, yeastist? 
<laughs> is that, is, can we make that a thing? Let's let's make that a thing. God, that's so dumb. Oh man. So wait, so have you ever monetized? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Back to the questions. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh man. You know, I had a feeling this was going to happen. <laughs> I knew I was going to talk about dumb stuff for for way too long. I knew I knew it was going to be like that. But uh, yeah. So sorry, Vel Velik, dude. Um. Uh. No. So. State by state, there are different regulations for selling alcoholic beverages. Plus, there is the uh, the added bonus, if you want to call it that, of having to deal with the federal government as well. Um, so the alcohol, tobacco, firearms, uh, the ATF thing is in charge of all that. So if you were to sell homebrew, te- well, technically, you can't sell homebrew. Um, some states, it's not even legal to make homebrew. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I think I think there so there's still a holdout of I think it's like three three states, maybe five states. A lot of the like the Bible Belt is still has it outlawed, um, but there are a lot of state regulations on the just the brewing of homebrew. Like so, Massachusetts. I can only speak to Massachusetts. I don't know other state rules, but Massachusetts technically you can. Brew up to a hundred gallons per year for your own personal consumption. You can't give away more than a six pack. Hmm. I don't know if it's per household or per family or per dude. I don't know. Um, but realistically, those are the regulations that are in place. You can give it to whoever you want. It doesn't matter. No one's going to know. You can make more than a hundred gallons. No one's gonna know. I mean, so unless you have some really asshole neighbor who is constantly snooping on what you're doing, you can kind of make as much as you want. Um, but if someone doesn't know what you're doing, they might think you're doing something illegal, like yeah. cooking meth or whatever, because the process itself looks kind of weird. I guess. I don't know. Um, but. Beyond that, selling it generally, I'd say it's safe to say it's is pretty much universally illegal. Um, it's just dealing with like the AT, like dealing with the ABC or ATF. Yeah, like it's just, it seems like that. such a pain in the ass. It is. It is. I, I've actually looked into it. My cousin and I are looking at actually starting a brewery, um, something that I've been into for a while. So, so I actually looked into licensing stuff back um, uh, two years ago for PAX East. Um, so, so if, if you're listening to this because you are interested in beer, um, you should probably also know that I am big into video games. Uh, Joey, you are as well, correct? Uh, yeah, that is yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. So, so, uh, a lot of the, the people that we kind of know somewhat mutually, Joey more than, more than me, I'm more of an outsider, but, um, are also big into video games. So if you've ever been to giantbomb.com, which I'm sure many of you listening are actually coming from, um, if you've been there, then you know that it is a video game website, uh, and PAX East is a convention for video, for video games. So when I started looking into licensing, I was actually brewing beer for the uh, dudes that work over at Giant Bomb. I had made beer. I had decided, hey, I want to give you guys some of this. So, Joey, have you ever heard the story? Not really, no. <laughs> okay, okay. So it was kind of weird how it happened. Um so I had made beer. I just basically, I mean, Giant Bomb at that point, this I think was before premium memberships or anything. So they were putting on all this free content that I was a fan of. So I knew they were going to be at PAX East. So I decided, well, I'll, I'll brew up a batch of beer and I'll just give it to them. No big deal. So 
sent a message to Ryan and uh, said, hey, I have this beer. I just want to get it to you guys somehow. That was it. Uh, lo and behold, I get a message back a couple days later. Hey, do you want to provide the beer for our after party? <laughs> and, so, and so then it became this big thing. I talked to him a couple times, and we were trying to figure out the logistics of distributing homebrew beer, even for free. Turns out, can't even do that. You can't give it away in a public venue for free, so... Oh, wow. Yeah, there's a lot of weird – I don't know if it's just a Massachusetts thing or what, but there's a lot of weird weird rules around it. Um, so so suffice it to say that that got scrapped, and I ended up just kind of sneaking it into them and giving it to them and worked out well, um, But uh, which is kind of, I guess, kind of the reason I'm talking to you in the first place because I only know you because yeah. of sending them beer – I think the first, yeah, the first beer I had of you or Ryan told me about you was the was the the Vinny's yeah, casually, the racist, casually racist black IPA. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Yeah, that was a good one. Actually, I have a clone of that recipe on my in my kegerator right now, <laughs> um, which was the, one of this year's beers for packs, um, which I'm sure Brad will tell you all about. <laughs> and then he'll get mad at me for saying that. Um, but uh, yeah, so I I. Uh, I made them beer and we looked into licensing and how to distribute it. And it, it turns out it's virtually impossible to technically sell homebrew. If you're going to be selling beer, you're going to be selling commercial brew. And there's a lot of regulations that go around with that. And the things that, unless you're going to be making beer on a big scale, you don't want to get into that. It's not worth it. It really isn't. It's so much money. Even just the license to distribute is crazy money. Just like liabilities involved, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a there's a lot of you have to deal with inspectors and all kinds of the crap. You can't brew at home if you're going to be selling it. Yeah. You have to brew offsite. There's there's just a lot of things that you're trust me you you don't want to deal with. So if you're getting into home brewing because you want to sell it, um, don't. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> don't. It's definitely a hobbyist. Yeah, thing. yeah. I mean, I mean. That's not to say that you can't be a home brewer and then become a commercial brewer. Like you can totally do that. That's yeah. There, there's actually there's I don't know if you heard of if you heard of a Moonlight Brewing Company. No. It's a, it's a really small. It's just like one dude up in Sonoma County where I'm from who just yeah. started brewing this beer. He brewed this beer called um, uh, Death and Taxes. It's a stout. I've heard of that. It's a, it it won some awards like okay. later on. It's a it's like a heavy. Actually, I think it's a pretty light stout. Oh, um, I just stout. spilled beer everywhere. That's, but uh, he, he won some awards. I think he used to grow. He used to have a few hop fields that he'd okay. sell hops to. But eventually, he just kind of he just he turned his uh, his farm into a brewing facility. Gotcha. But he like only he only kegs. So you'll only find his kegs around here in San Francisco. He doesn't bottle. It's actually like he's just started winning awards and like just like one dude yeah. doesn't even have a really like a team to work with. Yeah. So that's like that's the situation that I imagine. Homebrewers kind of end up in yeah that that tends to be the because the the thing that a lot of people don't consider with with home brewing um, in in terms of selling it is is how much cost there is in equipment to brew at bigger capacities. It's really cheap to start brewing yourself for five gallons at a time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think I got my full setup for a hundred bucks or something, if that. Probably less than that, but it, if you're gonna be distributing, you need a much larger capacity than that. Yeah. And the equipment cost is just—it's prohibitive for most people. So unless you're really gonna do it, 
It's just not, it's not a thing that you can really do realistically or easily. So, um, okay. So I think we have established selling homebrew, not really a thing. Yeah. Uh, okay. Last question. And then we can, uh, both get out of here. Let's see. Uh, from Journey with a three instead of the E. How important is a proper beer glass to a beer? Uh, the right kind of beer glass, temperature, etc. Um, so I'll address temperature first. Um, personal preference is kind of the thing for temperature. I mean, some styles of beer benefit from a warmer temperature. Like a, yeah. a lot of the English styles benefit from a more of not not room temperature, but you're talking like. 45 degrees ish rather than the like 32, 33 that most beers are served at. It's like certain subtle flavors will come out a little more with the. Yeah. Yeah. You'll get, I mean, you'll get, you'll get some little notes from, uh, like, uh, basically if if it's a beer that's subtle and has a lot of, a lot of weird, like smaller character, weird is the wrong word, but smaller characteristics to it. You're gonna benefit from a warmer temperature because you'll taste more of that stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's there's kind of a there's a reason that if you see the, the Coors Light commercial, there's a reason they say it's the coldest beer ever because <laughs> when you drink it cold, you don't taste how shitty it is. Yeah, it hides all the flaws. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. That's the thing. I mean, personally, I drink beer at a fairly Relatively cold temperature. I, I, might, I, I have a temperature controller on my kegerator that's set to 39, which is my okay. preferred temperature. But it doesn't. It's kind of personal preference. So unless you're unless you're drinking a beer that is specifically better at a certain temperature, you're gonna be fine no matter what you drink it at. Do you it's usually just, drink out of like a pint glass or like a Belgian style? Yeah, that's that's what I'm. That's the next part I'm gonna hit. Um, beer glass. So. If you go to a bar, um, you're normally going to get... All right, so like if you go to a bar, what kind of glass do you get served out of? Typically a pint. Yeah, typically a pint glass, right? So like normally you're going to get a, either a 16-ounce pint glass, a ghetto 12-ounce pint glass, which looks like a pint glass, but it's 12 ounces because the bar is cheap. You might get an English-style pint glass, which is, is that... Like the curved kind of ones that yeah it, it kind of looks like a normal pint glass but it's got that little bulb at the top yeah okay. um and th- that's there for a reason which i'll talk about in a second um but if you go to a really good bar if you go to a really good craft beer bar they're going to serve you your beer in the proper glass the proper glass there is such a thing as a proper glass for different styles of beer um now it doesn't mean that you necessarily have to use that glass but you will get benefits from using that glass um if you go if you go to Belgium, right? You go to Belgium, go to any bar there. 90 90% probably more than that, probably 95, 99% of the beer the beer bars that are there are going to serve you a beer in a glass that is tailored to that brewery. Which is crazy, but is is absolutely a thing. There are there are breweries out there that Will engineer their glass before they engineer their beer. Hmm. Yeah. Did you have now? You guys get. I mean, Sam Adams is a big Boston thing. Do you guys have Sam Adams out there? Oh, uh, we we yeah, have. I it, know you it's... have it, but do you, is there like a commercial presence or anything like that? Do you see the TV commercials all the time? Um, 
Yeah, we get some of the commercials. It's yeah. it, it kind of sits in there with like the. So we got like as far as like kind of the more popular beers, you know, you got like the cores and the bud as the yeah, yeah. lead in the domestic market. Yeah, I'd say like Sam Adams is in the same realm of like Heineken. Yeah, and kind of in that like, hey, we're a little bit, we want a little bit better beer, but yeah, not. yeah. So so Sam Adams, they they ran a commercial. I don't know. if I'm trying to remember exactly when they they ran it. It was probably a few years back at this point, but um, they ran a commercial talking about the glass they designed for their Boston Lager, um, and they they talked you know for a while about designing this glass that would really accentuate the characteristics of the beer and allow the carbonation to to be at its fullest and all that kind of stuff. Um, and if you don't know anything about glassware for beers, you're going to look at that commercial and you say, that's bullshit. Why would I want this dumb glass for my beer? Totally true. <laughs> that stuff that stuff is absolutely legit. That, that glass is a glass that is made for that style of beer, and that's something that a lot of the European breweries do regularly. I mean, Stella Artois has a commercial about that now. Have you, have you seen that one? With no. The, they talk about the chalice. Still, yeah. <laughs> and the dude, the dude scrapes the foam off with a knife. <laughs> it's 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 the it's a dumb commercial. I've always uh, seen their their chalices everywhere. Yeah, but that's I mean, that's a glass that is literally designed for that beer. So, um, the uh, as much as I kind of get annoyed by beer advocate, there's actually um there's a really good write up on beer glassware on that website. Um, you can actually probably just Google glassware beer advocate or whatever, and they'll they'll kind of walk you through all that stuff. Um, but for the most part, what you need to know about beer is that there is there is a, a few main styles of glass that accentuate different characteristics of different beers. So, for example, the beer that I've been drinking for this podcast, um, the Simcoe IPA, because it's a double IPA, one of the things that you want out of a double IPA is you want a lot of aroma, you want a lot of flavor. So what I've been using, I've been using a tulip glass, so it's shaped just like a tulip flower. Um, and what it does naturally is it condenses the the like the rim of the glass you're actually drinking from um which means that you get a better head on the beer and you get more of the aroma because that head head is condensed because hmm. a lot of the aroma lingers in the head of the beer and so you get more aroma as you're as you're sipping because it's so condensed that's uh, that's one of the principles that you you use when you're getting the proper glass for a beer is what is this beer supposed to accentuate? What kind of glass do I need to do that? If you, if you're drinking a wheat beer, you're going to use like a, a Wisen glass, which is taller. It's a kind of narrow at the bottom and up to like a bowl shape at the top. That's for the bowl shape at the top is to accommodate for the larger head on wheat beers. So it's all there for the most part. It's all there for a reason. So, as long as you know, as long as you know what kind of beer you're going to be drinking, then there are a few different categories of glasses you can try to keep on hand at any time. So, I mean, I have, I have tulip glasses for IPAs, I have chalices for, um, for like pilsners and things like that. I have actual pilsner glasses for that as well. Um, I have straight up pint glasses for when I don't care, which is, to be honest, a lot of the time. I mean, you don't have to have a specific glass or a different type type of beer, but they just they accentuate certain characteristics of beers. So yeah, no, it, it's a it's a real thing. It's kind of dumb, 
I guess it's kind of dumb. Can, can we can we establish that it's dumb? It, uh, yeah. Can we it make that true? Because I feel like it is. <laughs> it, it, I I more often than not just kind of use a pint glass yeah. or a, or like a like a Belgian style I have just for whatever beer. But uh, like I, I'm never sitting there drinking one style of beer. Usually I'm like I have yeah. a bunch of different twenty twos or yeah. I'm trying a bunch of different kinds of stuff. And just, yeah. So I mean I mean depending on what you're doing it. it yeah. You don't have to go crazy with it. But yeah, no, there there are definitely certain glasses that are preferable for certain styles of beer. And if you go to the right bar, they're going to serve you the beer in the proper glass. Yeah. The other thing to do is if you buy if you go to a bar and you buy beer by the bottle. That was a lot of bees in one sentence. Um if you buy beer by the bottle, jeez, I said it again. This is blowing my mind as an English teacher. I'm like alliteration. <laughs> um you need to make sure if you are a beer fan, if you like beer, if you are concerned about your beer being presented the right way, you need to know that your bartender or whoever it is, if they're, if they insist on pouring the beer for you, you want them to pour it the right way. Like if you order a Hefeweizen, you want them to leave half an inch of beer in the bottom, swirl the, swirl the bottle and then pour the rest in. Yeah. Because that's kind of the whole point. You get the yeast from the from the from the bottom of the bottle. Because that's the main flavor component to a hefeweizen. If you're at a bar where they don't know that, then and and you are a big beer guy or beer girl, that's gonna bug the crap out of you. <laughs> so so glasses are important, but I mean just knowing what to do with a beer is is kind of important too. Yeah, that's that's totally true. Yeah, and I, I guess bottom line is you you drink the beer. Right? That's what you do with a beer. You drink it. Because yeah. it's delicious. <laughs> so that was the uh that was the end of the questions. Um I mean we've been going here for, for quite a while, so I don't wanna take up too much more of your time. But uh you have any any final final things you wanna say? Uh, I I yeah, I feel like we just kinda sc- just scraped the barely the surface of this whole topic. I know, there's so much more to talk about. Yeah. Uh, like we haven't even got into the brewing process, really. Yeah. Um, so I guess uh, I'll actually throw this out for for those of you that are listening, those of you that are interested. Um, if you want to throw out some questions to FormSpring, uh, again, it's formspring.me/slash/giantbeercast. Um, you can ask ask questions there. Um, if if it's a shorter shorter question, I'll probably just address it on on FormSpring. But if it's a something that can you know we can talk about for a bit, I'll definitely definitely tackle it here. Um, but yeah, ask your questions. I mean, we'll get into more of the brewing process stuff. Um, if you have specifics about that that you, you want answered, I can definitely try to help you out. Um, but we'll get into the brewing process stuff at some other point. Um, so hopefully you found this informative and at least somewhat entertaining. Um, and uh, why don't we, uh, since this is the first time, why don't we uh, throw out contact information um, you can actually, if you want to get in touch with me, Andy slash Brewmaster Andy, I am on all of the former whiskey media sites uh, as Brewmaster Andy. Um, you can also get in touch with me on Twitter at Over the Andy Hill, uh, and the, that form spring is run by me, so you can also get in touch with me there. Uh, what about you, sir? Um, what, uh, so I'm still on all the sites. Joey F. I think <laughs> Tess is a little little finicky right now as far yeah. as profile stuff goes, so. Uh, I'll, I'll check my like giant bomb profile. Yeah. Um, Twitter uh, HD Joey, or you can just email me at joey at tested.com. It's a pretty easy email. Excellent, excellent. Um, 
Well, uh, yeah. thank you for joining me, sir, and talking beer and yeah, uh, drinking me. along with me while we talk about things that we <laughs> don't know as much as we pretend to know about. That was fun. And uh, until next time, everyone, enjoy your beer and send in your questions. <laughs> <laughs>